Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. I'm very excited to be teaching this class uh, this morning. This will be me and Bill Eads will be the co-teacher for this. Paul went up to me and gave me the choice. What topic would I like to uh, talk about in this class? And I've always wanted to do a detailed study of David's life and I felt like that I had had some material together uh, that would be beneficial uh, to doing that. So so we'll we'll get started uh, this morning. so I've got uh, one of these outlines here as they continue to be passed out, and um, our approach to this class will not be to go um, consecutively in time uh, through David's life. What we're going to do is we're going to approach it in a topical manner and just talk about different aspects of him. Uh, we know in the Bible that he is described as the man after God's own heart. And so the purpose of this class then is to examine that heart of his, the different characteristics that it had, and we can learn and what we can put into our own lives. So I hope that this class will be very practical uh, for all of us there. So this morning, we're basically going to cover an introduction to David's life. I'm going to go through an overview of what's in this outline uh, this morning. But here are the different topics that we will be covering in the class. From David's standpoint, we're going to be talking about David as a soldier and the courageous heart that he had. So... Again, this is an outline. I'm subject to change it as I go on, depending on what we can get to in class. But things that we may take a look at in here, we'll talk about, of course, David and Goliath, the courage they showed there. We may talk about some of David's mighty men and the courage they had, the influence David had on them. And then we will take uh, probably two classes looking at David the Sovereign, his chosen heart, him being the chosen king of Israel from God. We'll talk about David as a ruler And we'll compare him to other rulers that he's associated with. We may take a look at him as compared to Saul, Absalom, Solomon, and Jesus Christ even, in looking at him from that standpoint. We'll talk about David as the seer and the controlled heart that he had, uh, the information of the future that God revealed to him through Nathan or the prophecies that David, he himself, made in the Psalms. We'll talk about David the singer, the cheerful heart that he displayed in the psalms that he wrote um, for the nation of Israel. We'll spend a couple of uh, Sundays talking about David as a shepherd and the compassionate heart that he showed at various times in his life. We'll talk about him as a shepherd, of course. We'll talk about uh, the kindness that he showed to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, uh, to those who were weak or around him, to those who were his enemies like Saul. And we'll talk about David as a true friend and the committed heart that he had, the relationship that he shared between himself and Jonathan. We'll talk about Nathan and the friend that he was to David. We may even get to talking about Ahithophel and the false friend that he was and the betrayal that he did on David. We, of course, will not ignore the 
uh, sins that David occurred in his life. We'll talk about him and his contrite heart, his heart of penitence that he had. And we'll look at various uh, scenarios in which that was displayed. And then finally, we'll talk about David as a servant and the compliant and submissive heart that he had. So I hope that this interests you. I hope this whets your appetite. Um, so, I, uh, so let us begin just some introductions to David, and then I'll step through some of these topics really quickly in this class. Um, when we look at the history of Israel and David's life, well, even before David came on the scene, right? We go to the book of Judges and, and the books that preceded it. Israel had no earthly king, right? They had a perfect king in Israel. That king was God. But they decided that they wanted to be like the nations around them and asked for an earthly king. And the effects of that spread all across to the Old Testament. So initially, Saul was chosen to be king of Israel. He looked the part. He was tall. We're told that he had a good appearance. We can read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and the chapters that follow. At times he seemed humble. He seemed worthy. But there were things that were wrong with Saul's heart. It's revealed that it had pride, it had arrogance in it, jealousy and anger. God determined that he did not have the heart to be king. And so a new search begins after that, and that leads the prophet Samuel to go to the sons of Jesse. And the heart that God is looking for is found in Jesse's youngest son, David. So in talking about studying David, I think of David and studying him as a unique opportunity for Bible students. Is thinking about him. So it's very rare in the Bible that you have as much detail described about somebody as you do about David in here. Maybe more so than, than anyone else. Now, if you think like the New Testament, you have Jesus Christ, right? And that segment of Jesus' ministry, recorded in four Gospels, probably the most detailed look we have at anybody's life at any specific point in time. Aren't we grateful for that? All of the great instruction that we get from Jesus and to be able to learn what he did and be able to bank on that. There's a lot of Jesus' early life, though, that we do not know. If you go to the Old Testament, we could look at Moses. There's a lot written about him. We have four books of the Torah that really concern him principally. Um, so there's a lot you would have to go over if you were going to study the life of Moses. But again with him, a lot of that covers the last 40 years of his life. There's a lot in the first 80 years that we really don't know so much or they're just generally gone over him. With David, you have an example, and you've got to think of all the books that cover that. If you're going to do a study of David, that covers a lot of material. You've got to go through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, beginning of 1 Kings. You have to take a look at material in 1 Chronicles. And then you've got all the Psalms that David himself wrote that you would have to, to cover in looking at that. So I can't think of another person in the Bible where you take someone as a young lad, as a shepherd... And you go to the end of his life, and we get such detailed information about him all throughout his lifespan. So what that means, you've got a lot of stuff that we can learn about David and learn about our lives and life in general, even life as a young person, life as an older person, and so forth. So um, I wanted to state that uh, that's something that I find very interesting about him. Um, I also wanted to start off saying that on this class and to say that I like David. Um, I'll go further than that. I'll say I love David. I think I would have liked to have known him. I'm thankful that one day I am going to know him. And I say that because 
I have known some ministers personally that have had a hard time liking David. I know that can make sound kind of strange, but he's a man described as a, having a, a man after God's own heart, but we know that some grievous sins were committed in his life, and, and some people really wrestle with that um, idea. And, and we'll get to that, and we'll talk about that. But I, uh, I want to approach this study giving David his due. I want to try to be, you know, when, when David sins and there's a negative example for us, we need to learn what not to do. When he does something that's good and something that's honorable, then we need to take from that and learn what we can do and implement in our lives. So I don't want to try to go one way over the other. Now, given the nature of this class, we're going to be looking at David's heart, and we're going to be looking at a lot of positive aspects about him in that. So, you know, just to give the, maybe give this a bit discussion, and I'm going to open the floor up a bit on this and talk about it on this aspect. So, how do I want to approach David? Let me throw out this question to you that's one that's interesting that some people think about. Was David a good parent? How would you answer that question? Anybody? Okay, you would say, now, any specific reasons you want to give to to that, Cindy? Okay. All right, okay, in particular, like Ammon and Absalom and all that occurred with them, right, okay, so, so there were some issues that David had there. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Okay. Ah, good. Okay. All right, so, so then we have Solomon there as well. So um, I agree with both of the comments made in here about that. If I were to honestly try to answer that question, I would say it depends. Anyway, well, just go through the scope of David's life. Really. So, so we read later in his life, of course, about the sins that he committed with Bathsheba and adultery and the murder of Uriah. Okay, and then after that, we know about the punishment that God levied out in dealing with the strife that would occur within his family. And then we read about what happened with, with Ammon, and then, of course, what happened with Absalom also as a result uh, of that as well. I tend to think, and a lot of people would probably agree with me, that David, because of the sins that he committed, lost, you might could say maybe lost his moral authority or felt like he couldn't give his moral authority to his kids or ineffective in doing so with his older kids. You know, those sins of adultery and so forth, they have consequences to them that are far-reaching and we don't, you know, people don't see ahead uh, when they're in it. And so you would have issues there. Also as well, though nobody brought this up, his son Adonijah, when you go to 1 Kings chapter 1, and it first mentions him. And remember, he's trying to take the throne after David. Solomon's the one who's supposed to get it. But Adonijah's the one that wants it. There's a description of Adonijah that's written there that says that, uh, basically says that uh, his father had not rebuked him at any time. Okay, so you had that that you could also say uh, there about David. But the man who was the father of Ammon, Absalom, and Adonijah was also the father of Solomon. There are good, positive aspects that one can pull from that that we could implement as parents or even implement as older Christians and how we view younger Christians. I'll just go through a brief of those quickly. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we have David instructing Solomon. David's on his deathbed. And he mentions some things here that are really good uh, to him. So... 
The days of David drew near that he should die. He charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. As written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Another incident on the same time period is recorded in First Chronicles chapter 28. Now, in this case, I believe that David is addressing the leaders of Israel, but Solomon is there. Of course, Solomon's going to take over. And in addressing them, he also directs some specific things to Solomon in this speech that are very good. And would any father not want to say these things to his son? Verses 9 and 10. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. He's talking about the temple. Be strong and do it. And then later in verse 20, he again says to Solomon, and boy, when you read this, this sounds a lot like Joshua and what God said to him in Joshua chapter 1. David says to Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I also want to take a one look at one more passage, and perhaps the most interesting of these is Proverbs chapter 4. Of course, this was written by Solomon himself, and Solomon is describing uh, about wisdom, about getting it, you know, and he makes some interesting comments about his family. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, I'm going to read to verse 9. Listen to this. So this is Solomon. He says, When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. We just read through that. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. So, I think most of us are familiar with the story of Solomon. And we go back and we read in 1 Kings chapter 3, you, you know that God you know, appeared to him in a dream and made an offer to Solomon whatever he would have. And Solomon, of course, requested wisdom that he might, you know, lead the people of Israel. What was God's reaction to that? God was very pleased with that, right? And so he gave Solomon all this other stuff, too, as well. And you read that thing, well, what a great decision by Solomon. How was it that he could uh, be like that, have that kind of attitude? And I would say that he got it from his father, David, if I'm reading Proverbs chapter 4 correctly in that. The influence that David had on him. So, in saying this, was everything that David did with his older sons wrong? No, but there were some grievous things that he did there. Was everything that he would have done with his son Solomon right? No, but he did a lot of good things there as well. So 
I'm just wanting to say that in trying to look at David's life, is try, I want to try to look at it from a fair standpoint um, in that I tend to think myself, and I could be disagreed with on this, that David made a lot of mistakes in regards to his older sons and in raising them and that he learned from them by the time that he got to his younger son Solomon. And I, I think there's a lesson in that uh, for us as, parent, as parents. So sometimes people make realizations about child rearing and child raising and the correct ways to do that later than they should have or you know, be nice to have known that earlier. And you get to an older child that may be a teenager and try to influence them for good, that will be harder to do, harder to implement new stuff. It's better to do that with children at a younger, more impressionable age. But even though that might be tough there, there's other children, other younger children, they're at those younger, impressionable ages. They can work and to, to raise them in a manner that is uh, uh, right and that is good. It's never too late to start doing that. So, so this makes David an interesting character to read about. So... I'll pause right there as we get into some more general descriptions of David. Anybody want to add anything to that? I'll take opinions, disagreements, or or, or whatever. Yes, James. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is true. Absolutely true. And I'm grateful that he can be free. Even somebody like David could be forgiven, but God doesn't take all the consequences away from that, and they have to be dealt with. Still, I'm grateful to serve a God who's like that. Anything else? Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've wondered that too, Glenn. I wonder when, when he was making a, but if anyone couldn't hear what Glenn was saying, he was remarking about in Proverbs in five, he talks about the strange woman and he's, uh, advising the, the son or the younger people he's talking to, to, to beware of adultery and, and what it does. And you kind of wonder if what had happened with David and, and between him and his mother, Bathsheba might have been playing out in what he was writing there. I thought that about some other topics in Proverbs too, as well, Glenn. I'll get to those later uh, in this. Mm-hmm. Right. At learning from experience, and I probably say his older brothers too, in that as well. A very good point. Okay, let's continue some more with just some general stuff about David. So when we, we read in the Bible about certain characters, certain people that live, that uh, we have certain descriptions of them that we take after or that are mentioned that kind of stand out, right? So Abraham, if you think about him, he was described as the friend of God. Moses was described as a man of God. You think about Solomon himself, uh, what word would come to you in Solomon? I think wisdom probably would be the, the principal word. If you were talking about Job, what word comes to mind? I think patience would probably be the word. Of all the descriptions, especially at least out of the Old Testament, I think I like David's the, the best, or would want to try to be known like David is. He was known as a man after God's own heart. That's reiterated in the New Testament in Acts 13 and verse 22. David was a man who had heart. 
Um, and so it's, we're going to be stressing that in this class. So you've got the syllabus in front of you. I'm going to just step through some of these topics briefly as we go through them and kind of whet the appetite for as we go deeper in these topics in the classes that follow. So I'm not going to go in the same order as the list is. But uh, when you think of David, is David a man with a courageous heart? Absolutely, he was in that. So when we read, I read that final charge he gave to Solomon in First Chronicles 28. What was a key phrase that stood out in it? He told Solomon, be strong and of good courage. And that was a characteristic that described David all throughout his life. What do you think of when you think of David as a courageous soldier, as a courageous man? What pops to your mind, Gene? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about him as a lad having the courage to face off against Goliath. And a courage beyond his years, because nobody else was willing to stand up and do that either. Okay? Anybody else think of an example? I'll add to what Gene's saying. Not only as a lad you think about that in regards to Goliath, but we, we learn from what he's talking about with Saul that as a shepherd, he also faced off with a bear, he faced off with a lion as well. And those two acts also displayed his great courage from an early age. Yes, Don? Mm. That's an interesting point. And we talk about the heart that he had in interacting with Saul. He had, a, I think, two chances at least to kill Saul, and he refrained from doing that because he wouldn't put his hand against the Lord's anointed. There's a certain amount of courage that that takes, too. He was under a lot of, he was under some, you could call it peer pressure, I guess. He was encouraged by his men to, to act on that and to slay him, yet he refrained from doing that. He stood up and did what was right. Yes, Glenn? Mm-hmm. There was a song about that, yes. So his, his, knowledge, his uh, courage was proclaimed uh, far and wide. And yet, I guess for the most part, that really didn't seem to affect David as a person so much. Maybe at certain little episodes in his life. But he was a tough guy, yeah. Um, he was. So, so we see that in the, in the middle, the beginning of his life. We've made some references in the middle of his life, what that was like. I made a reference to... What he said to Solomon and the end of his life. He had courage all the way throughout that. As a shepherd, like I said, he fought and slew a lion and a bear. He was not a hireling nor a weakling. Interacting with him, he cared for his sheep. And caring for them, this led him to bold action uh, to protect him. So let me ask you this question. Is this applicable to us today? Is God still looking for men who have courageous hearts? Yes, hearts that will stand up for what is right, hearts that will do the things that are tough, hearts that are courageous enough to reach out to the sinners that others would say are unreachable. Yes, God is still requiring courage uh, from us. So there's a lot that we can learn from that aspect of David. So we also have David described as a shepherd. And, uh, and that shows the compassionate heart that he had. You know, sh- shepherds were known for compassion. And that was an apt description that was made of God himself. It was made of Jesus Christ. And you think of John chapter 10 where he talks about, I am the good shepherd. 
uh, that's listed there, and some a few other passages uh, there as well in the New Testament. So God himself is described that way in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11, we see that shepherd imagery. This is their verse I really like a lot. But describing God's care and using the shepherd as the symbol for it, it said the Lord God will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. See that imagery that you had in there. I have to imagine that David was like that. Being a shepherd and being described as a man after God's own heart, I imagine he cared for his sheep uh, that way. In fact, he kind of had that attitude to the people of Israel uh, themselves. Um, So we see that, David as a shepherd. Uh, If we go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 7-13, we see him having compassion there as well. Of course, we know how great a friend that Jonathan was to him. And, uh, of course, Jonathan was tragically killed in battle. And that was something that David had to deal with inside himself. And one of the ways that he did that was he found that there was a descendant of Jonathan, a man named Mephibosheth, who was crippled. And showing a great example of David's compassion, he took care of Mephibosheth. He restored the land to him uh, that was his. He gave Mephibosheth the seat at the table. And I guess that he had all, all of his life that was there. So we see David displaying love and compassion there, and that, you know, that reflects God as well. And that is a description of both of those. So let me ask this question. Is God still looking for compassionate hearts? His people, absolutely so. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, if I can turn there real quick. Consider this, Peter writing here says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted, be courteous, and not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. This is a description to how we are to act and conduct our lives. Does this description match David as well? I think so. A lot of what it says there. So again, a study of David is very profitable to us to see these characteristics in him. Any other comments or questions before I continue? Yes, Gene. Uh-huh. I've heard of that movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Gene was mentioning a movie, Courageous, as being an example of courage and of compassion there. So, okay, continuing on, we read about David as a sovereign, as a ruler. He was chosen to be king, and he had a chosen heart that was there. God chose him. David did not appoint himself to be ruler over there. He did not steal the throne from Saul. And as Don pointed out, he could have killed Saul on multiple occasions and refused to do that, would not do that. He was not going to get himself ahead of God. He was preparing himself and waited on God to use him where he saw fit. And... um, And in going through that, I mean, that was a very difficult time in his life, running from Saul and everything, and still he was like that. So let's ask the question to ourselves. Are we chosen by God? Yes, in the sense that Christians are described as being a chosen generation. You can look at that at 1 Peter 2.9. It describes us as as that way. So uh, 
the heart that David had to wait on God, to be ready for God, to use him, and so forth, is the heart that we should have. You think about James 4 and verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, David was a humble person as well, and of course the Lord lifted him up. So that's good for us as Christians. If, and and I, I take it for, if I was in some type of leadership position, I think that would be something that I would want to imitate uh, from him as well, in whatever in life uh, that we are. So, uh, let me get to my next page here. Okay. So, another aspect that we want to look at about David is look at David as the sinner. And look at the contrite heart that he had there. So, David was a great man, but he had great faults along the way as well. We read about several sins. The ones that come most to mind, of course, would be adultery and murder. With Adultery with Bathsheba, Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah the Hittite, to cover his tracks there. And you read about that and you think how calloused and cold that a person have to be to, uh, to do the things that he did there. David deserved to die. By God's grace, he did not die, but he did pay dearly uh, for that in his life. So, because of what he, ha- what he had done, David felt the pain of adultery and, he, and losing loved ones firsthand. Um, I don't think I could describe it any other way, saying his sins were contemptible. However, one thing that's made David stand apart, and even from other rulers that came after him in Judah, was uh, his repentance. Glenn made mention of this earlier in his lesson today, and it's such an example for us, uh, for David, with his reaction and being confronted with his sins is commendable. It's something that we should follow. We're not going to get through life sinless, and when we're pointed out where we're off tracks and off the mark, we need to have the attitude that he had And looking at that. So Nathan the prophet pointed the finger at him. What did David react to that? There were certain other kings in Israel's and Judah's history that would have taken Nathan and would have imprisoned him for saying something like that or done much worse. I think of Ahab specifically. But there were others as well in that. David didn't act like that. He didn't try to make excuses for his sin. He did not try to blame others, blame the messenger for it. Instead, he took responsibility for it, and he went to God and he sought forgiveness. The passage that comes to mind, Psalm 51, one of the most famous psalms. The psalm is believed to be written by David as a psalm after Nathan had confronted him about his adultery with Bathsheba. It is a psalm to God of repentance, a psalm to ask God to cleanse him. When you get towards the end of it in verse 17, we have the topic listed right here. The sacrifices of God, let me start with 16 first. For you do not desire sacrifice, else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. It's a very interesting statement. Did God require sacrifices? Yes. But sacrifices had to have meaning behind them. They had to have heart behind them as well, or God wouldn't deal with them. And David knew that. Verse 17, he says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So we see him admitting that uh, there. So... Let me ask the question, is God still looking for contrite hearts? That's all he will accept. That's exactly right, James. So we we can learn from that. We can teach others about that as well. 
And if he can do that with a man like David and the sins that he committed, he can do that with all sorts of sinners that would come to him and repent of what they have done. So I'm grateful what that shows about David. I'm very grateful what that shows about the God that we serve. Any other comments? Okay, another topic that we would consider. We have a class listed on here as David as a singer and talking about the cheerful heart that David had. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, David, I believe it's him writing there, he describes himself as the sweet psalmist of Israel. He penned a lot of psalms. And in those psalms, they reflect different emotions that he had in there. They sometimes reflect some negative emotions, things that he is struggling with. We saw that in Psalm 51 uh, here. Uh, Sometimes he has psalms where he's reflecting on betrayal or he has doubt that he may have there or certain psalms that would describe some trial that he's going through. It might be any number that we could link up with that there. But a lot of times the psalms we see David uh, writing with joy. It's an emotion that he reflects uh, quite a bit. Just a couple of examples of this. Psalm 5 and verse 11. He writes here, let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Okay, so one other example, Psalm 42, verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept the pilgrim feast. So we see that, that David reflected in his interaction with John a joyous attitude, and it was something that he cherished. Okay. Going back to Psalm 51, we talk about the sin that he had with Bathsheba. There was times in David's life where he lost his joy uh, that he had, and he was desperate to get it back from God. He makes the statement in Psalm 51 and verse 12 there, as he's pleading with God to cleanse him and to forgive him, and he's talking about his broken and his contrite heart. He makes this statement. You probably have heard it in songs that we've sung at West Huntsville. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Joy was a characteristic that described David. It described his heart. A man after God's own heart. Let me ask a question. Is God still looking for joyful hearts? Going to the New Testament, James 5 and verse 11. Mm, no, excuse me, I have the wrong passage listed there. I'm sorry, it's John 15, verse 11. This is Jesus talking. This final night before he's crucified, he's telling his um, disciples a lot of things in chapters 13 through 17. And, uh, you know, they're about to go through some rough times uh, the next few days with Jesus being crucified and, and uh, them running from that and everything. So... Jesus has some encouraging things to say to them. In John 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain 
in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, and to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. We have this this promise that that Jesus was making to his disciples that they could have joy. They would have joy, even after the rough times that they were about to go through in that. And not just any joy. He's not just promising that. He's saying that their joy can be full as well. So this was something that that, um, their joy could be full because of the relationship that they had with Christ. and, And them following him. So that was an attitude reflected in David as well. And it was an attitude that he expressed in the, the songs that he wrote. So we can see that God is still looking for joyful hearts. Is God still looking for hearts that burst forth in song? We see singing is something that we're instructed to do in the New Testament as well. Ephesians 5 and verse 19. Famous verse with us today. Uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord. So again, as Christians, we can look at David in the Old Testament and this aspect of, of who he was, and we can learn from that and apply it to our lives. I want to do that uh, in this class. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about is David as the true and good friend and the committed heart that he had. When I think of the Bible and I think of the examples that we have for us, outside of Jesus Christ, David might be the best example of friendship that I can think of in looking at that. So I think we know about the friendship that David and Jonathan shared with each other. What a model that is for us. I mean, if you have a friend like Jonathan was to David, you keep them close to you um, in that. So we had these two men. And Jonathan would be a very interesting study in his own right uh, to go through. But men who were brave, who were courageous, men who were sacrificial, and because of this, these two men respected each other greatly um, because of that. So they were, had one heart and one soul. To describe the relationship as that surpassed that of women. It was something that death itself could not sever. Of course, Jonathan was tragically killed in battle, and this was something that David mourned for. Uh, But he showed kindness to Jonathan even after his death by showing that kindness to his son. We made mention earlier about the Proverbs that Solomon had written. Uh, But one of the topics that Solomon covers repeatedly in the Proverbs is friendship. There's some very famous Proverbs in there that state that. And I wonder myself, of course, Solomon didn't know Jonathan. Jonathan had died before Solomon came on the scene, but... He might have seen the kindness that David showed Mephibosheth. He may have heard David talk about Jonathan and how much he missed him and what they had shared. I kind of wonder if David and Jonathan might have been a model for Solomon as he wrote about Proverbs concerning friendship. Concern, uh, look at Proverbs 17 and verse 17. I'll go through these really quick. Um, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Is that not true about David and Jonathan? It was. Next chapter, 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a man who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 17. 
As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So we have that as an example. But Jonathan wasn't the only example of a friend that David had either. We have his mighty men that served under him and the courage they had. They were his friends. But I also especially think of Nathan the prophet as being a true friend to David and the example that that was. You think about David was so committed and excited at first about building a temple for God. I think 2 Samuel 7. And that wasn't the will of God for David to build that. And and Nathan had to tell David that. And uh, he had to tell him some news that wasn't so good. Of course, God, you know, gave a promise to David in with that as well. But but that was something that Nathan was willing to do, to tell him what was the truth. Tell him, no, you, you can't do this. And, of course, Nathan was the one who confronted David about Bathsheba. And uh, he was willing to say what was right and willing to turn David when he was wrong. Do we not need friends like that in our lives that are willing to do that with us? Absolutely. Of course, I made mention of Ahithophel as being a false friend, a friend that betrayed David. Uh, Psalm 41 is believed by some maybe to be describing that uh, listed there. So that's something we might have time to look at. So... Let us ask even ourselves today, with our true friends that we have, are we supposed to be committed in heart to them? If our friends are right, do we fight for them? If our friends are wrong, do we lovingly correct and restore them? Are we a friend to Jesus? There's a lot of stuff, even from this aspect of David, that we can look and try to apply in our own lives as well. The next thing I want to mention is David as a seer and the controlled heart that he had. Uh, That's also reflected in 2 Samuel 23. We have writings of David. We know that other biblical writers, he was inspired of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, I believe Peter describes David specifically as a prophet listed there, which he was. We have 2 Samuel 7. Nathan making the promise to David that uh, about his throne and how it would last forever, that was fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament. We have David himself writing some prophecies, several of which retained to the Messiah. Uh, later on, we think of Psalm 2, where David's writing about the reign of the Messiah. We have his uh, Psalm 22, famous passage there, where David is writing about the crucifixion and death of our Lord. We have Psalm 16, which is quoted in Acts 2, where David is talking about the resurrection of Christ there. So um, we have David uh, making those prophecies. Of course, the word, our instruction, is now completely written that we have there. So David was willing to do these things and write these things under the will of God. So we ask our and let that direct his life. So today... We need to ask ourselves as Christians, does God still want us under control in the sense of letting God direct our lives through the word that he has given us? And then finally, one more just to look at. And I guess when we get to end this class, we'll talk about David as the servant. That's a description of him that's stated several times, many times in the Old Testament. The compliant and submissive heart that he had. David had the heart of a servant. Um... He was submissive to the will of God. Think about the building of the temple and how excited he would have been and how he wanted to do that. It was in his heart to do that. And God said, no, it can't be you that builds it. What was David's reaction to that? He submitted. He submitted to what God had said. He put aside his own desires and followed God's instructions in that. Uh, 
he, he did what he could in it by aiding Solomon and helping him in building the temple. So, is God still looking for hearts that are not hardened? Is God still looking for those who will comply to his will? Yes, he is, and we can learn from it there. So, I'll end this class by asking, is God still looking for men after his own heart? And is this what you desire to be? I hope so. If you will, I I think this class will be very enjoyable and beneficial to you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.